We're going to begin here um, in the book of 1 Peter. I was looking um, back over this um, portion of scripture here. I, you know, we've been working through uh, the book of 1 Peter um, and we've, uh, you know, gone through and see, we've made it to chapter 5, haven't we? Uh, I believe we made it to chapter 5, and um, one day, hopefully before the end of the year, we'll finish the book of First Peter. And um, we've gone over this once, we passed by this scripture, but I was reading back over the book, and God seemed to really just narrow down my thinking and just burn this into my heart this morning, and this is just what's on my mind. Um, I don't give many titles, but the thought... As one preacher said, you should have a nail and try to drive it with three or four hammers and then let people go home. So three or four blows and I'll try to let you go home on this is the nail I'd like to preach this morning. And I want to talk to you about the sufferings of Christ. And um, yeah, I, I just want to look at a couple of verses. And if you'll look at First Peter in chapter number one, um, this is the verse we went over and it was speaking about um, the Old Testament. And the Bible says this, searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ which was in them did signified when it tested, uh, testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Now, I don't have um, time this morning to deal with the second part of this thought, but talking about the sufferings of Christ, uh, there's also, in just about every time it's mentioned, um, and partakers, even Peter talked about being partakers of Christ's sufferings and the glory that shall be revealed. And I don't have time this morning to deal with the glory that should follow, but I do want to deal just a moment and think on this thought of Christ's suffering. And so i uh, just give you an introduction here, and I'm going to give you several verses, and you're welcome to turn to them, write them down, or just listen. I'll repeat them or quote them to you, but just a very simple, very basic thought, but understand what I mean by the simplicity of that. It's not simple uh, in all that it accomplished for mankind. Uh, it was absolutely necessary that Christ suffered. He did not tell his disciples the necessity that he must go and he must suffer, be slain at the hands of wicked men and raise himself up by his own power. So I don't want to forget the glory of the, the glorious resurrection of Christ. Christ is no longer on a cross. Uh, he is resurrected. He is sitting at the right hand of the majesty on high where he ever lives to make intercession for us, right? So Christ is not on a cross, but uh, it was testified that the cruelness of the cross and the sufferings that he endured. And so we have here in this verse, it says when, uh, in the plural, it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ. If you've seen the movie, The Passion of the Christ, the primary focus on that Catholic movie is the, the cruelty of the blood and the guts and the horror of the, the crucifixion. And it is a horrible, horrible, horrible thing. And Christ certainly suffered in the flesh being crucified like no man has ever suffered on the face of the earth. 
but his sufferings went far beyond a Roman whip or a Roman cross. Christ suffered many things. He suffered many uh, sufferings, plural here, sufferings, plural, in the sense that he was uh, whipped and beaten and mocked and spit on and all those various things physically. But he not only suffered physically, he suffered uh, in every aspect of his life. And I want to just touch on some of what it affected and some of what happened and some of his sufferings. And I want to say just an introduction, uh, he suffered for the sovereign He suffered for the sinner. He suffered for the Savior himself. And that'll make sense as we go along, but uh, that God might be just and the justifier. He died to satisfy the justice of God. You uh, and I as lost sinners are condemned under the law of God. We are all guilty sinners. And so the only thing that could satisfy, the Bible says, sacrifices and offerings, thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared me. God demanded a perfect sacrifice to suffer for the sins of the world. And so none of us, as it has been revealed, I believe even in Revelation, why John is crying there is because there's no man that's ever been born of Adam that could have offered himself without spot to God. There was no perfect sacrifice. And that's why Abraham told his son, God will provide himself a lamb. And that's what he did. Jesus Christ, for God so loved the world that God so loved the world, he gave gave his only begotten son for God spared not his son right and so God gave his son so Jesus died and he died for the sovereign he died to satisfy the just demands of the law and to satisfy the wrath of God that is revealed in the from heaven against all ungodliness in the gospel you can see the the wrath and indignation that God has towards your sin and mine in the gospel and so we see that and how that he died to satisfy the sovereign he died for his father. It took a perfect sacrifice to satisfy God. And you cannot be that. You must, you must be in Christ Jesus. There's no other way. Well, I'm not that bad of a person. I've not done such and such. And you compare yourself among yourself. You're not wise. One bad thought is enough to send a person to hell. You're condemned already. Say, well, I'm not that bad a person. Listen, the Bible says if you've broke one law, have you ever lied? You ever stolen anything? You ever committed fornication? What about a lusted after a woman to commit adultery with her in the heart? You ever done that? If you've done that, you have completely shattered the entire law of God. You're just as guilty as Hitler. Now, that's uncomfortable truth, but it's the truth. If you're lost without Jesus, all of mankind is guilty sinners before a holy God. And something must be done to reconcile the two together. Something has to take place to bring you back to friendly terms with God. You are the enemy of God. Is that not what the Bible said? Alienated by wicked works. You are... Not the friend of God. You're not on friendly terms. Something had to take place in order for God to be satisfied because God's holy. God's just. He doesn't, God's not uh, like the Rome County Courthouse where if you know the right person and pay the right lawyer, you can get by with anything. 
You can shoot a man 10 times in the back and they'll call it a suicide if you know the right law, you're in Rome County. Somebody say amen to that. Another suicide, <laughs> hanging hang here over a fire, shot in the back 10 times. Must have killed himself. God is not an unjust judge. God is holy and righteous and he will do what is right and just and holy. And if that be true of God, he cannot simply tell you to just go free. Something must happen if you have transgressed against God, right? Something has to take place. Somebody must appease God. He's the one that's been offended. Your sins are not against your mother, not against your dad. You haven't sinned against your wife. You've not sinned against heaven. You've sinned against a holy God who is full of wrath and indignation against all ungodly sinners. Say, well, I don't want to serve a God like that. That's fine. You don't have to. You're more than welcome to go die and live how you want to and end up in hell if you want to go there. But it does not have to be so. You're guilty and the only way out from under that condemnation and guilt is to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There is no other way. I've un There's not nearly a rock that I've not unturned theologically to try to find a way. There's people that do that, you know. They try to escape in some other way. If I can just, all right, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to start giving a little bit of money. Now, we'll cash your checks here. You go ahead and give it. But that ain't going to get you out of trouble. You don't pay off God, Right? He's not an unjust lawyer. That ain't going to do it for you. Well, I'll just try to do better. I know I need to go to church a little bit. I'll try to do my best to go to church. That's not going to save your soul from hell going to church. Well, I'll try to, I'll try to do a little better. I'll try to read my Bible. I know I need to read it. I'll try to read it a couple of times a week or something. Try to do a little better. My friend, every time you just try to do a little better, it's impossible to please God in the flesh. They that are of the flesh and all that you're doing. You know what? If you said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll sell all my goods and I'll go feed the poor. I'll devote my life to doing good things and trying to help people. And I'll feed the hungry. And I'll try to help the sick. And, and I'll open my home up to people. And I'll, I'll do all these wonderful things. You say, wouldn't that be a good thing? Don't you think I'd gain me favor with God? God said that is completely filthy in the sight of God. Well, wouldn't that be a great thing to do? Sure, it'd be a good thing to do to me because I'm fallen like you are. But to God, anything done apart from faith is just filthiness. That's what the Bible said. For your righteousness is as filthy rags before God. You cannot do good enough to win the favor of God or earn yourself a place in heaven. There's only one group that's going to go. Amen. And that is those, Brother J.C., that have received Jesus as Savior, turned from their idols and serving the living God. And so we see he suffered for the sovereign. He suffered for the sinner to reconcile them. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. He died for the Savior. I'll go on down and, and talk about that. But the Bible says that he might be a faithful high priest in all things pertaining to God. He wanted to be touched with the feelings of your infirmities. He wanted to know. He came in the likeness of sinful flesh, was tempted in all points, suffered being thirsty and hungry, suffered being betrayed, suffered being mocked, spit upon, ridiculed, suffered every, uh, every imaginable, every possible temptation, was taken up into the wilderness and offered the kingdom of the whole world, which wasn't the devil's to give to begin with, uh, but that's how he offers you things. He's a liar. He don't have anything to give you. 
But he'll give away things that don't belong to him. And Jesus rebuked him and said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. He was tempted of the devil like no man ever was. He overcame in every point of his life. No man who has convinced me of sin. He was without sin. He was holy. He was harmless. He never had a bad thought. He never thought about going wrong. He never had a bad word to say. He never did anything that displeased God in any moment of his life. I don't think I've lived 20 seconds that way. Have you? And that's why you can't do good enough to please God. God accepts perfection. And if you can't be perfect, you better get in Jesus who's already produced it. Right? So he suffered for the Savior. He suffered for himself. It behooved him. He wanted to do that. He, 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 he was totally voluntary in this matter of dying for the sins of the world. He, t- he knew what was going to happen. He foreknew all of the suffering. He knew he was going to be hungry. He knew he was going to be thirsty. He knew he was going to be beaten to the point you couldn't even recognize who he was. He knew all of those things and chose to do it anyway so that he could have the ability to know by experience what it was to suffer in the flesh. So now you don't have a high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of your infirmities because he's been in all points tempted like you are yet without sin. So he knows what the feeling of your infirmities are all about. Boy, what a precious Savior. Blessed Redeemer. (laughs) Amen. Hallelujah. And so he died for the sovereign. He died for the sinner, died for the Savior. And then he also died for the saints. We've been left upon the uh, face of this cruel earth. And uh, God has given himself uh, in the person of Christ uh, for the saints of God, for those that are saved. Uh, He suffered and bled and died to provide with you an example, see. And we get that in the New Testament so that the saints of God would see that are alive today how we should suffer. And we won't get into that today. But so we see and constantly in the book of 1 Peter and other books of the New Testament, we're always referenced of how we should suffer like Christ did, right? Who though he was Lord of everything, humbled himself, became obedient, and there was no guile found in his mouth. Who when he was reviled, reviled not again. Right? So he's, he suffered for the saints so that you and I, uh, we don't serve a God that says, do as I do. Uh, do as I say, excuse me. He says, do as I do. God's done it. He's been here. He knows. What, you say, Brother Clint, you don't know what I'm going through. I don't know what it's like to lose a loved one. God forbid, Brother E, I couldn't imagine losing a child. I have no idea the pain, the anguish of what someone would go through. But there's a Savior, a sympathizing Savior in the heavens that knows all about what it's like to lose a loved one. There's nothing on planet earth that you could go through that the Savior of mankind cannot be touched with. He knows. He knows. And so we, he has suffered for the saints. Now, I want to just start beginning looking at this uh, in that manner. I want to look at just break this down a little bit more and just take a few minutes and deal with his suffering. And so we look at this suffering and um, the first point that I have here in dealing with his suffering is the fact that his suffering was alienating from everyone. I'll read you a couple of verses, and I thought about this as I laid there last night. Uh, Jesus was abandoned. He was betrayed by Judas. 
abandoned of his friends, abandoned even uh, to the degree of his father. When he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Uh, We know why, I'll get into that, but he was forsaken of the Jews, forsaken of the Gentile, the heathen. He was forsaken of the judicial system, his friends, his followers, every single person on planet earth completely abandoned the Lord Jesus. Peter said, I'll go with you. I'll never betray you. I'll never leave you, Lord. And in just not too long later, a few verses down, he's cussing, denying he ever even knew him. His sufferings brought about an alienation from everybody. You know, I got to thinking about this, how pitiful, how, how sad. This ought to, this ought to uh, ring in our hearts. Uh, I can't tell you the number of times. Uh, Brother Jones, I was laying there asleep, and we were just young people. I wouldn't even say uh, but I can remember, I don't know how many times, I can remember the little house we were in, Amber, and we first had Tyler. And you know how it is with your first kid, you're just, they can't hardly sniffle without you taking them to the emergency room. And uh, you know how it goes if you're a mom in here this one. Uh, this this evening, uh, this morning, uh, but uh, I can't tell you the number of times I, you know, I was working, and uh, but I can tell you a number of times I'd hear something uh, outside and be afraid it was going to be somebody breaking in, and you know, you you, you just worry about your children. I, I don't mind to have to shoot somebody, but I don't want them to get in and get my kid. You know, you worry about all those things, and uh, but usually once I'm asleep, I'm I'm gone. The tornado can come rip through there, we all be gone. I, I once I'm out, I'm out. But my wife, buddy. Let me tell you young kids something. You mothers know exactly what I'm talking about. I wouldn't even hear that baby barely make a little whimper before mama would hear that cry. And buddy mama jump up out of bed and be in that bedroom. She'd have been up two or three times in the middle of the night and I would have never known nothing even happened. You could have come in there and slapped me four times, took the kids and gone. I, I just woke up the next morning. I just sleep pretty sound once I go. But buddy, Brother Reed, there's never been a time that my children have ever had a little whimper, had a little cry as a little baby. There was always the hearing ear of a mother to listen to see if that baby was okay. And she'd run in there to see if they were okay, if they were hungry, uh, if they were thirsty, you know, something wrong with them. She'd be uh, worried to death. And I did the same thing if I heard it. I, I'd run to there. Uh, there couldn't be a time. How many of you, mom and dad in here, wouldn't hear the cries of your children? Your ears are always attentive to their cries. If they come home from school and they're complaining about somebody being mean to them, if you could get away with it, you'd probably go whoop somebody over it. Am I telling it right? Come on now. Moms, uh, the way that moms and dads are, you love your children. And the Bible says this, if you love, how much more should Jesus not give unto you freely all things if you being evil can give good gifts to your children. So that love you have to your children is wonderful, but it's nothing like the Savior's love for you, Right? Every cry you have, you think his ear is not attentive to your cries and your desires and your troubles and your sorrows. You don't think he's acquainted with grief, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He knows all about all of those things, but who was there for them? Who was there for him? Talking about Christ's sufferings, they were completely alienating from everybody. The Bible tells us why. The Bible tells us why he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? We know because the Bible goes on and tells us, even in Psalms 22, because thou art holy. And the Bible said he had become sin who knew no sin. He had become everything that God hated so that you could go free. He became sin. He endured all of that for your sake. 
Everything that you've ever done, Jesus became that to accomplish and effect your salvation. It was alienating from everyone. You think about this. Who couldn't you call? There's a room full of people in here this morning. You could call me. You know somebody's number you could call if you needed help. There's somebody that cares about you, isn't it? I mean, you, you kind of wonder sometimes if some people care about you, but you know deep down they, they somebody cares about you. And I'm not saying nobody cared for Jesus. Obviously, the Father did. But what I'm saying, at a point and a place, a time when he came to die for the sins of the world, he was not only alienated, he not only suffered uh, for you and on your behalf, but his sufferings brought about an alienation like you'll never know. You'll never know what it's like until you stand at the great white throne judgment, what it is to be excommunicated and completely cut off from the presence of a holy God. The only reason you're still alive today is because there's a long-suffering, merciful God that's allowed you to live in your rebellion. But there's coming a day that'll no longer be so. He'll be there, but you'll have no idea he's there. You'll never feel what it is to be pricked in your heart sitting in a preaching service again. You'll never know what it's like to be drawn with cords of love of a Savior that died for you. Once you go into the outer place of darkness, there'll be no more chance, no more, uh, no, uh, there is no uh, place uh, where you go and somebody prays you out of, right? (laughs) There's no purgatory. Once you go, it's over. Boy, I beg you, while there's time, while the Lord's dealing with you, now's the time. The Bible never says do it tomorrow. It says today's the day. Don't put it off. His suffering brought about alienation from everyone. It totally alienated the Savior. He was completely alone. Uh, he, I, I've got some verses, boy, I'd like to read them. It talks about, um, you know, how that the Father heard the cries of those, but he said, but for me... I am lower than a man. I I am but a worm. Speaking of Jesus and him dying for you, becoming your substitution, becoming your death. You know, the Bible in the Old Testament, you know, the the picture, Jesus is in all those offerings. And one of those offerings is the scapegoat, where that high priest would lay his hand upon the head of that goat, and it would transfer the sins of the world, and then send that place out to one, send that, uh, that goat out into the wilderness to wander alone without the camp. And that's why the Bible says, with bearing his reproach, let us suffer, go without the gate, right? And so Jesus went and suffered and died and bled and all those things, but he did it completely alone, all by himself. The Bible says, when he by himself purged our sins, Mary didn't help him. Amen. He did it all by himself. Boy, what a savior. He'd never known anything in eternity but blessed, wonderful fellowship with his father. And he willingly chose, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that he was rich. Yet for your sake, and your sake, and your sake, he became poor. Just imagine how poor he came if you came from streets of gold to this mess. And this is what he said. For your sake, he was rich, but he became poor. That ye through his poverty might be made rich. You can be rich this morning. Through the poverty of Christ, you can rich, be rich. It was alienating from everyone. 
No one has ever been as alone as Jesus was on Calvary. Let me, let me go to this next point here. Can I read, turn with me to Psalm 22. Would you mind to do that if you brought your Bible? Psalm 22 and Isaiah 53, we won't read them all, but let me just read a couple of verses. The Bible says the word of God is quick and powerful and sharpening two edges, sword, piercing, the vine center, joining bones and marrow, all those things that we know. Here's what the Bible says, speaking prophetically here in Psalm 22. The 22nd Psalm, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me from the words of my roaring? Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not, and in the night season am not silent. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee, they trusted, and thou didst deliver. They cried unto thee, and were delivered. They trusted in thee, and were not confounded. But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men, and despised of the people. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip and they shake the head, saying, He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. Speaking of Jesus. But thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope. When I was upon my mother's breast, I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Jesus' sufferings for you and I brought about alienation from everyone. Now let me look at the second part quickly. Uh, there's more that we need to deal with. Uh, it's also uh, Jesus' sufferings were abnormally excruciating. No man suffered like Jesus did. And my parents suffered a lot for me. My parents suffered quite a few things to give us the best life that they could. And some of you know what it's like to give yourself for your children, all those things. But none of us can even compare to what God did when he sent Jesus to die for our sins. Nobody suffered like Jesus suffered. Now, we can read, and we probably should, and we might, but just think of all the aspects of his sufferings that were abnormally excruciating. Many people had died. There's been people that were thrust through with a sword. There's been people that have been stoned to death. There's been people suffer in this life and before Christ's suffering on Calvary, but nobody had ever suffered like Jesus did. They'd plowed deep furrows on his back. They uh, plucked out the hair on his face. They uh, spit upon him. Boy, I can put up with a lot of things, but please don't ever spit on me. And you know what Jesus did when they spit on him? As a sheep before shears was dumb, so he opened it not his mouth. When they mocked him from he and, and said, you trusted in God? Call on God, see if he'll save you. He had already told them, my kingdom's not of this world, else my soldiers would fight. Don't you think I could call legions and God would not, the Father wouldn't send them to me? But he said, lo, and the volume of the book is written of me, and lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He came and he had every intention, every purpose on his heart was to save guilty sinners from the wrath of God. Whatever came his way, whatever that brought about in his life, Boy, we serve a good God. I might suffer for you a little bit, but if you told me I was going to have to get another kidney stone, you're in trouble. I'm trying to make a joke, but there ain't much funny about that, is there, Brother Reed? 
he knowing what all was going to be brought upon him. And what did he get? Who am I that a king would bleed and die for? What did he get when he got you? I don't know about you, but when he got me, he didn't get much of a prize, Brother Jones. He got nothing but an old wretched sinner. It bewilders me why God would love people like me and you. And if you're here this morning lost, can I assure you of something? Christ Jesus died for your sins because he loved you. Not because he loved who you were or who you were going to be or that he loved what you had to offer. He just loved you for who you, loved you. <laughs> I love people until I find out too much about them. It affects my love a little bit. Don't come confessing your sins to me. I will look at you different. Amen? I don't want to know all about all that. But he, knowing everything that you were, are, and shall be, chose to love you and die for you anyway. And I'm not talking about just stand there and give up the ghost. I'm talking about suffer like no human history has ever recorded suffering. So yes, it was abnormally excruciating in the physical toll that it took on his body. When he was thirsty, what did they give him? Vinegar. When he was hungry, he didn't have anything to eat. He just got taunted by the devil. Make these stones into bread. Right? Thirsty, hungry. The Bible says the foxes of the, uh, uh, have holes and the birds of the air have nests. He didn't have a place to lay his head. He suffered like nobody's ever suffered. It was abnormally excruciating. Uh, verse uh, 52 of Isaiah said, As many as were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. Brother Reed's foot hurts him all the time. It is painful. I can't imagine what it's like. I've never had that kind of pain. But I can't imagine the excruciating pain some of you go through. But I can promise you, you've never had nails driven through your hands after having a mock trial with cruelty by a bunch of pagans and heathens that have done nothing but misused your body to the degree we couldn't recognize it was you if you were standing here, only to be taken to a cross, carrying that uh, part of the cross all by yourself uh, when it come to that place which is called Calvary, and he was there crucified, having his nails that were drove through the hands, having nails drove through his feet, and hung there with the hope that he would suffocate to death. But death had no hold upon him, so death could not take him. So he just hung there. And as he was hanging there, he even had compassion and said, God, forgive them for they know not what they do. One little old sinner to one side of him, a thief, said, I deserve everything I'm getting. He's done nothing in this. Remember me when thou enterest into thy kingdom. And he said, today should thou be with me in paradise. No thought of himself, for this is a worthy, uh, faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. If you're a sinner, you're in a good place. Because there's a Savior that loves you and is intent on saving you. And he hung there until he came to the place where he had to give up the ghost. He had to, he had to let his own life go. <laughs> The Bible references him being killed, but the fact is he, he laid his own life down, right? Pilate, he told Pilate, you'd have no power if it was not given to you of my father. He did this willingly, knowingly. 
And so if you refuse him, you deserve what you're going to get is what I'm saying this morning. You deserve to go to hell if you refuse such a loving Savior. I don't delight in that, but it's, it's a meat punishment. That's what I'd want to happen to you if I gave my son for you. Right? Ridiculed and mocked. Look at what they said about his mother. They said he was basically a bastard. That he was born of fornication. Said he did everything he was doing. He did it in the power of the devil. Look how he suffered. And all he did, the Bible said, it was recorded in the Bible, he went about doing good. That if we had everything that he did, we could, the world wouldn't contain the books that were written. And all he did was going about doing good, healing people, cleansing lepers. I mean, nothing. He, all that he did, even on the Mount of Transfiguration, all he wanted to do was get down and help people. That's all he did his entire life. And he was ridiculed and mocked and spit on and rejected, rejected by his own people. He came into his own. His own received him not. And he suffered for him anyway. You've rejected him your whole life, but he died for you anyway. That'd be hard for me to do. But God's not a man as we are. Abnormally excruciating in his death. Uh, Well, you know one thing that that was awful about that whole thing, abnormally excruciating, is to take a holy man and strip him naked. You know the shame in that? You've never even, he bore all that shame that came along with suffering as a sinner. It's you and I that should be ashamed for what we've done. Lied and mistreated people, used them. You and me should be ashamed, not him. He despised that shame. Now look with me quickly, we can't go too much longer. Give me five minutes just to look at a couple of more. It affected his emotions. When he went about and he looked upon people and he said they were sheep without a shepherd. When he'd overlooked the city, he, the Bible says, and Jesus wept. Thinking about Lazarus. All the times you see Jesus emotionally dealing with having to deal with the emotional aspect of betrayal and all the emotional aspect of his suffering. He suffered in every way you can emotionally suffer, physically suffer, and even spiritually as his father. Those things that he had to uh, deal with and contend with uh, with, the, with the enemy. His, it affected his emotions. Look at what Isaiah 53 said. We can't read it for sake of time. But Isaiah 53 had this to say about Jesus, uh, about God the Father. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be saved. Satisfied, And by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. The Bible said, and it pleased the Lord to bruise him, but here it said, when he shall see the travail of his soul. It's a lot worse than just I'm crying because my head's bleeding. He poured out his very soul into suffering for you. Come on, what, come, t- t- please, please tell me, what is it that you're living for that's worth Jesus doing that uh, for you and you're rejecting that? What is it that you'd rather have than the love of a Savior that would pour out and have the travail of his soul unto his own Father on your behalf? There's not a drug in this world. There's not a drink in this world. There's not a woman in this world worthy of turning your back on such a loving God. 
And when you're done with it and it's done with you, it'll leave you void and empty. But there is a nothing but joy in the presence of the angels over one sinner that repenteth. I say amen, hallelujah. I'm enjoying being saved. You could, if I could bottle this up and sell it, I'd be a billionaire. Hallelujah for being saved. There's nothing like it. When, those, when sin's finished, it brings death. But when Jesus is finished, it brings nothing but life and peace and joy. You want some joy and peace in your life? You're tired of chasing your tail, tired of chasing after dreams and hopes only to be let down once you get them? Nothing in this world will satisfy what you're looking for but Jesus. And he suffered that you could have it. I got a bunch more, but we got to go home. I won't do it to you. It affected his emotions. Speaking of his suffering, it was all-encompassing. Tempted in all points. I won't dwell on that, but all the ways in which a human, he was God, but he was also man. Every way a man could suffer, Jesus suffered. Well, there's some, sometimes when we think about these things, we ought to take our shoes off. Do you ever just sit and think, why would anybody suffer for me? Why would anybody want me to even have a better life? I mean, that thought struck me. Why, why I'm down there working 13 years ago, down south of the river working, just a, just a sinner, just messed up. Just, I wouldn't have given you two cents for my life at that time. Full of nothing but sin and iniquity. And, and I, I never understand why, God, why? Not only why would you love me, but why would he send a man that would see me down there working to come walking down that hill to come tell me about a Savior that loved me and died for me. I'll never know why God does the things, but I sure am glad he does it. That man didn't have to come tell me about the Lord, but I'm glad he did. The Lord didn't have to love me, didn't have to save me, but I sure am glad he did. We certainly don't deserve it this morning. We, I'm going to let you go, but... It, his suffering was alienating. It was abnormally excruciating, infected his emotions, and it was all-encompassing. And this suffering was as a sinless suffering. Give me just a moment. I'll work through these quickly. This absolutely essential, we covered that. There's none righteous, for there's no other way. For certainly, the Bible said, had salvation been or justification been by the law, then Christ died in vain. Is that right? If good works could produce it, then then why did Jesus die? He died because you cannot work it, right? You cannot be good enough. There's something wonderful about embracing your depravity. Does that sound a little strange? But I mean, there's something about just embracing the fact that you can't save yourself. God's got to save you. Don't you get tired? How many times have you done it? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Bless God. I, just, I don't know how many times I said this. I'm going to get up. I'm going to take my family to church. I'm going to do right. I'm going to quit all this foolishness. I'm going to grow up and quit acting like a teenager. Some people are 40 years old and they're still acting like they're 15 years old. Partying and drinking, acting like a fool while their kids get nothing. I'm going to tell you something. God, God's got a special place in hell for people that won't provide for their own children. Grow up. 
That didn't cost nothing extra. But hey, God, I, I will tell you something. I, 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 I don't know how many times I put my mind to, I'm going to quit this. I'm going to quit doing this. I'm going to quit this sin. I'm going to quit that sin. I'm going to do right. I'm going to treat my wife like she deserves to be treated. I'm going to let my children get them in church. It didn't last any longer than the service lasted. I got weary with trying to do better. Are you that way this morning? Are you weary with trying to do better? Why don't you just let God save you? Let God save you and work it from the inside out. He'll won't, don't, don't ask him to come into your filthy heart. He don't want to live in that filthy mess anyway. God's going to give you a new heart. I'm not inviting Jesus into my heart. I want him to take this wicked heart I got and give me a new one. And that's what he did. And that's what he'll do for you this morning. Say, uh, I, 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 no, God will give you a new heart. A heart, Take out that heart of stone and give you that heart of flesh. Give you a heart that's tender and alive towards God. Hallelujah for that. It's absolutely essential. But it, 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 he always excelled in his suffering. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. In 1 Peter, Hebrews says, For we have not a high priest, can we not touch? I quoted that verse. Yet without sin, his sin and his suffering was sinless. It was, he always excelled. He never one time gave in to any sort of temptation. He, he absolutely perfectly kept the law of God uh, for your sake. Uh, he, it was a sovereign suffering. I'm going to read these. I'm not going to preach them. Uh, he was among us as Manuel. The Bible said, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted God with us. That was, the, that was God Almighty suffering. It wasn't like anybody else suffered because of who the person was that was suffering. It was Emmanuel. Boy, isn't that something? He gave his life for you. He traded places with you. He took your guilt and gave you his liberty and freedom and justification. What a Savior. He is among us as Manuel. This suffering was approved in eternity. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. Have you taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. He was foreordained from the foundation of the world. It was able to be ended. At any time he could have stopped it. He had the power to do that. It was announced on earth. His suffering was foretold. You can go back through this book. Written, written literally thousands of years before he was ever born. And it foretold of everything that Jesus went through, how they wouldn't break his bones, how uh, the piercings, uh, uh, the, um, the uh, fact that uh, um, in his suffering, how that he would be thirsty, uh, the vinegar, all, all, all of those things are foretold. It said the Bible uh, talks about even foretelling of Jesus that they would wag their head at him. Jesus fulfilled every bit of that. It was certainly the sovereign who was doing the suffering. It was certainly Emmanuel and approved in eternity long before the foundation of the world. Calvary wasn't plan B. It was announced on earth, foretold in the scriptures. It was the prophets gave witness to it. It was achieved in its entirety. He drank the cup all the way to the bottom. Every ounce of suffering that was appointed for him to suffer, he suffered every, there's not one thing was left undone. Jesus is certainly sufficient to save you this morning. It was a submissive suffering. I'm just going to read these quickly. Approached with eagerness. For this cause came I into this world. 
It was, hey, can you imagine? This is what I've got laid out for you. This is the plan. If God told you the to plan tomorrow, that you were going to be treated like Jesus was and beaten and killed and crucified and spit on and beaten, absolutely merciless and, and, and misused and mistreated, and have your name drugged through the mud and you were going to have all that. I don't even know if I'd wake up tomorrow. And he said, lo, in the volume of this book is it written for me. I, be, I come to do thy will, O God. He came with eagerness. He wanted to save you. He wanted to suffer for you. He, it, it, nothing surprised him when they came to take him captive and, and, and deliver him. He didn't catch him by surprise. He came into this world for that very purpose, to save sinners from sin. Boy, that means something. I'm, I'm done. He was, it was allowed to ensue. He allowed it to begin. It was substitutionary in this amazing exchange. Well, I've got too many to read all these to you. But can, I, can I say this? Christ also once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Um, I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. This is an amazing exchange. All of your guilt will be placed upon Him. And everything, all of His perfection placed on you. Isn't that wonderful? It's available to everyone. (laughs) His suffering accomplished this. In Romans 10, whosoever calleth, whosoever believeth, all those wonderful things. We dealt with this. It it was a shepherd's suffering. It added empathy. Uh, It was additionally infective. We've seen that. It accomplished with elation. Can I read this verse to you and I'm done? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. You know what that verse said right there? What did that say? Looking unto Jesus, what does it say? Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. I've got two more, and I won't do it to you, but it was satisfactory. Sit down on my right hand. (laughs) Can, Can you imagine this? Who could withstand the wrath of Almighty God? Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? It was Jesus acceptable to for everybody and it was sufficient being available to everyone the payment that he made won't save every person on earth but it was efficient enough to I don't believe he shed his blood only for the elect I believe he tasted death for every man and that includes you and you and you and you everybody in there he tasted death for and shed his blood that you might be saved And I'm done preaching this morning. If you'll stand to your feet. Brother Reed's going to come get us a song. And the prayer of my heart's been is that God would open your eyes and allow you to see. That God sent his son. And he suffered mercilessly. Suffered immensely. Just a horrible, horrible death that he died for you. But that wasn't the end of it. He was raised unto life. By his own power. And so you can go free this morning if you're saved and you're guilty with your sins. You can bring them to God. And if you'll repent of your sins and believe on Jesus, you can walk away just and righteous before God. Lord, we love you. Thank you for what you've done on Calvary. Thank you for the gospel, the power of God unto salvation to anybody in this building this morning that will believe it. I pray for that soul nearest hell. May they see this suffering Savior that willingly laid his own life down that they could live. 
Thank you for tasting death for us that we'll never die. We'll live forever, those of us that are saved, all because of Jesus. Thank you for loving us. But that soul near as hell this morning, may they see the urgency, the great need they have of a Savior. We love you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Reed.